what you portray if it's having a negative impact on recruitment where you're saying we just can't recruit anybody maybe you need to look at your internal culture before you go blaming the generations behind us this is code three the firefighters podcast hosted by award-winning journalist scott orr now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me today for another edition of Code 3. This is the show that gives you all the information on the firefighting topic you need in about 20 minutes. Now, let's get started. There's a lot of talk in the fire service about the culture. It's even celebrated in many cities. So you know it's important. But one thing that's more dependent on the culture of your department than you might think is recruiting. This is really important if you need to recruit volunteers. Luckily, it's possible to build the culture you want to see if you address it specifically. My guest today has some ideas on team building by developing a positive culture. Jason Coy is the fire chief at Laramie County Fire District 2 in Cheyenne, Wyoming. He's also been the fire chief of Gore Hill Fire Rescue in Great Falls, Montana. And Jason Coy joins me now. Welcome back to Code 3. Oh, it's an honor to be back. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. So today we're talking mostly about volunteer departments in terms of team building. So while we want the right people for our team, aren't we lucky to just find anyone who's willing to volunteer these days? You know, Scott, I think that's the dilemma, right? And in some cases, just accepting anybody willing to volunteer might actually be a detriment to the organization or to the team. So striving to find the right people that have the right values, the right traits that fit your local organization is going to be far more advantageous for you as a, as an organization. And sometimes, as you know, those organizations might have team members that don't provide the right traits for their organization, and they actually scare away the folks that you're trying to attract. So you might have to address some internal difficult conversations to move forward. What I'm looking at is the idea that the pool is so much smaller these days. Are, are you saying that we are better off to simply allow a position to stay open than to take a willing volunteer who maybe is not as well suited as you might like. Well, I think if they're coachable, Scott, that's a different story. So identifying those members that maybe don't have exactly what you're looking for, but are coachable, that provide the opportunity to be good team members down the road, that's a different story. But I would argue that a big portion of the struggle most volunteer organizations have with um, recruitment stems a lot from organizational culture and leadership. There's people in the community that want to participate, whether they're volunteering with the local church or religious sector 
or they're volunteering with the animal shelter or United Way or, or Kiwanis or any of those other civic organizations, they're volunteering. So the challenge for us as a fire service is learning how to attract those folks that want to give back to their community that maybe never thought about being a part of the fire department because they anticipated it being one way or the other, whether that was that traditional um, good old boy club or whether it was beyond their scope of capabilities. Being able to attract those folks that you can show that volunteering for your local community fire department can be very rewarding um, and maybe even provide you a whole new perspective of what the fire service is. How do we go about defining the culture of a volunteer department? Doesn't it change as people come and go? I think there's two pieces to that. One, we're seeing around the country and we're seeing locally an aging population of members in our volunteer organizations, right? So they've been on for 15, 20 years. They're now aging to a point where they feel like if they don't volunteer, nobody else will. So how do we change that perspective? And then two, I think it's also very local. Your local culture of your volunteer organization has to be intimate with your community. So what works in my jurisdiction might not exactly work in your jurisdiction because there's some cultural value differences or some community differences that you should address at a local level. So you can't take a roadmap from an organization in in North Carolina and necessarily just adopt it verbatim and apply it in Arizona. You should take parts and pieces that make sense for your community And then be very specific in how you market those pieces to fit attracting local folks to participate in your organization. Now, established career departments already come with a pretty strong culture, for good or bad. How do we develop a culture in a volunteer department? How do we make sure it's a positive one? Slow, consistent pressure over time. Sometimes you got to speed that up. Sometimes you got to slow it down. But being professional, regardless if you're paid or not, is important to the leadership of any organization. So having professional expectations that fit your local community, having professional expectations on how you interact and communicate with the membership, addressing those negative people inside the system that might be preventing new members from participating. Uh, Those are all expectations of any organization, whether it's a volunteer fire department or a Fortune 500 company, is to be treated with respect, to be given opportunities to grow, to be provided training, to be a part of a system that allows you to be successful. Once you have the culture in place and you're able to use that as a way to determine whether a recruit will fit the mold or not. How do you convey that to the community you're trying to recruit from? Having a vision of what you need in your organization and identifying the traits of people that have been successful in your organization, what did they bring to the table? What were their personality traits? What were their work ethic traits? What were their um, success stories? Identifying those and then designing your system 
to attract others through how you market that, where you market your organization. Then the next step is once you get them to your building is to revamp how you interview them, how you engage them, and how you bring them forward into the system. So in the old days, or I shouldn't even say the old days, but 30 years ago, it might be that you showed up on Tuesday night for training as a new member and you were kind of thrown into the fire, pardon the pun, but you just started. And maybe there wasn't a system to bring you onboarding into the organization. Your fortitude of wanting to participate might have led to your success, but other people might have felt very uncomfortable in that role of, boy, there's no clear path for me to get started. So building the system out to include how we interview, how we onboard those members, how we put them through training, how we make them feel valued right away versus them struggling to find themselves in your organization could potentially make an impact on new membership and also your recruitment. Well, it sounds then like the old throw them in and if they can't take the pressure, then they're not cut out to be a firefighter attitude just doesn't work anymore is that fair yeah i think i think that's pretty fair i think the opportunity to to coach them to provide opportunities for them to success succeed on occasion you have that member that it's not the right fit and then having that very respectful conversation to say you know this is an important position we need to see some improvement in these areas for you to continue is not a bad thing setting some expectations there's other positions that they can provide service to in our organizations, right? There's those support roles, there's those driver roles, maybe a water tender, et cetera. Not everybody's always cut out to be that interior firefighter position, but being able to provide avenues for your whole community to participate maybe answers some of those questions and challenges in front of us. When it's as difficult as it is to attract recruits does the does the culture that your department exhibits tell people whether or not they should want to be a part of it yep scott i think you're right on i think the culture that you portray and again that's very specific to your community whether that's we portray a very uh, aggressive interior firefighting culture that's great if that's what draws people towards you outstanding Maybe you portray a very family-centered family organization where we're a community service. We provide this service as a part of our family. You're joining a bigger family. That's great if that fits your culture. But what you portray, if it's having a negative impact on recruitment where you're saying, we just can't recruit anybody, maybe, and this is this maybe it sound a little brash, Maybe you need to look at your internal culture before you go blaming the generations behind us. Because as you know, every generation is blamed the next generation. They don't work as hard. They're not engaged. They're, you know, all these excuses. But maybe it's how we're attempting to engage them. So it takes us taking a 30,000-foot view to say, does our organization provide a value for our members to participate? And if they're not providing them a value, maybe we need to adjust that. And then in return, we get a value from those members participating in our organization because they come serve calls, they they respond to calls, they come serve shifts. It's a two-way street there. They have to get value, we have to get value. 
So. Well, it sounds like it can be a bit of a balancing act to determine whether whether the person that you're sitting down to have this conversation with is legitimately in need of remedial training or whatever you want to refer to, or whether the problem is you within the department. Yeah. It might it, it might be tough to tell the difference when it comes to an individual as to which one that, that would be. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, you've been around the industry a long time, and you know and can recognize sometimes that maybe we're the roadblock for success, and, and we have to adjust our ways so that we can continue to grow. And, you know, the world has changed in the last 50 years. Sometimes the fire departments are a little slower on the uptick of that. But if you look at how does McDonald's recruit today? You know, I recently drove up to the local hamburger joint and on the drive through window, it says work today, get paid tomorrow. Uh, they're changing how they're marketing to attract employees. We as a fire service, especially in those volunteer communities, probably need to look at how do we attract new volunteers and maybe different looking volunteers. And let me give you an example. Right now, there's a the mass exodus of working in a traditional office environment where people are working remotely in your community where traditionally they would have driven into town or driven into another community to work from an office. Well, those folks are working from home. They provide a great avenue for a lot of volunteer organizations to capture and provide an opportunity for them to be volunteer firefighters. Because maybe when they're working at home, they get a little bored. They don't get that gossip from the water cooler talk. Um, they lack the, the conversations from their peers. Well, if you provide a, a suite in your station or an area specific for them to work from where they can work uh, undistracted in your station, but yet still can participate with calls and interact with the other members, maybe that will provide them an opportunity that they never even imagined that they would want to from working at home, but by volunteering in your organization and working from that station. Just a different approach to looking at attracting new volunteers to our old business. Now, that's an innovative idea. Before you mentioned working out of the station, I was thinking you were going to go back to the idea that if people are working from home, they've returned to working in their community instead of having to commute somewhere else. Yep. Which also also helps. Yeah, absolutely. Getting them a pager while they work in that corner bedroom that they've turned into an office or the kitchen table they've turned into an office inviting them to be a part of your organization by having a pager and, a con and getting the training to be able to respond or provide them an opportunity inside your station where they live three, four miles down the road and they get to engage with your members, have a sense of teamwork and camaraderie, but also get to do their professional daytime job. Have you heard of anyone who's been able to put a plan like that into action yet, or is that still something that you're just proposing? So we're working on our next station, and we're working on creating little office suites that somebody could work out of, whether it's for one-on-one -on -one training inside the organization or it could be checked out for the day for, by a member to work remotely in for their daytime job. 
So we're working on that. We're trying to figure out how to market that to attract the right people for that. You know, the how do we reach those people that are working from home remotely? So right now we're building the marketing campaign to to do that for our future. That sounds like a great plan. All right, we'll wrap it up here. Jason Coy, thanks for being with me today on Code 3. Absolutely. It's my honor. Thanks for having me. And there's more about building your team of firefighters at Code3Podcast.com slash teambuilding. Now, if you've listened this far, the odds are you find Code 3 to be valuable to your professional development. And if so, you can pledge any amount to keep this show going. $10 a month gets you access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions, where I post occasional extra material that didn't make the main show. Just go to Code3Podcast.com support to do that. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com. 